mission statement of our church, we exist to glorify God by delighting in God, discipling His church, and declaring the gospel to all peoples. Now, I want to explain that just a little bit because on immediate hearing of declaring the gospel to all peoples, we think probably just missions or just evangelism. But really it goes even beyond that. It goes beyond that to how we steward the entirety of our lives to the glory of God. Everything given to us by God is given to us by God that He might be glorified in and through our lives and to the nations. And so whether that's our job, our marriage, our relationships, or particularly what we're going to talk about today, our money. Now, if you're a guest here, you're like, great. Uh, you know, it, it never fails. You know, pastor's all about money. Just wants to get in my wallet. I assure you uh, that is not the case. Uh, you know, if you, if you came around here for a longer stint, you would know that. Although, I, although it came up more often in Nehemiah than I was expecting even in a first look. Um, but I, w- I would say to you, that's not what we're about. Um, though, but, though um, because I'm not about getting your money, I am, however, um, interested in God getting your all. Every bit of you. And part of you is your money. And uh, oft- oftentimes, we, you know, we, we struggle with, the, you know, uh, uh, with this kind of sermon because uh, it's, it's so practical uh, that it's like, ah, you know, it's, it's tough for us to kind of deal with. And, 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 and let me assure you, a lot of pastors either do one of two things. Either they don't preach this, which is by and large what a lot of pastors do because uh, they don't want to offend or, you know, whatever. Or they preach it a lot because they need to preach it a lot because maybe they're under budget in the church, right? It's like, I don't, I'm not going to eat this week. i got to preach on tithing, right? And uh, I assure you that's not the case here. Uh, if you're a member, you already know that. But if you're a guest with us, you know, uh, we're, we're doing really well. God is blessed. And, uh, and, and, and uh, you know, he's moved and we're over budget god is blessed in those kinds of ways so i'm not trying to make sure you know keith gets paid this week right uh god has blessed our church in incredible ways i'd also say i'm not preaching this so that we can uh i'm not preaching in some agendized thing you know uh first of all i would say to you for those of you who've been so faithful in giving what a blessing it is to be a part of a church who is now, within the last few months, began supporting financially missionaries as a part of, of this church. And, and, and Lord willing, uh, next year we have budgeted to, to support missionaries, to give more towards missions, to do, to do more uh, in our community, that, that we have the opportunity to minister to our community. And so, so God, in His blessing, is using that in greater ways for us to take the gospel to our uh, Jerusalem and then Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of, of the earth. And, and so God is, is blessing in that way, and I couldn't be more thrilled with how God is moving in those particular things. Certainly we have vision for future uh, of what we hope God does. We, well, I'd love to see us plant churches. I'd love for us to see us send our own missionaries out. Uh, and I'm talking like this may be down the road. I don't know how far down the road. I'm praying that God does it quicker than, than maybe we expect. But I'm praying that God moves in such a way that we can, we can even uh, do something for preschool and kids, whether that's like remodel or facility in such a way uh, or, or new facility in such a way that we can start a preschool, uh, maybe a school, uh, so that we can 
again, for the purpose of that we might reach the next generation for Christ even further. And so certainly we've got things, but that's not what this is about. This is about, do you trust God? Do we trust God? Because at the heart of the matter of generosity is do we trust Him? Do we trust Him? What we see, particularly in our culture, and you, you can probably uh, admit to this even in your own lives, that, 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 uh, um, that giving can be, or, or, or money can be an idol for us. It can be a quick idol for us. And, and you know, I don't know if this is a Tennessee saying or uh, if you're familiar with this. Uh, you know, uh, when pr- pastors preach this and someone gets offended at it, we have a saying where I come from. It says, you know, when you throw a, a rock into a pack of dogs, it's the one that gets hit that yelps. Right? And, uh, and so if you're here and you're practicing generosity, you're trusting God with your money, you're going to be like, yeah, go get them, pastor. Yeah, right? Uh, but if you're here and you're really just kind of, um, convicted by that you know I would say for you you, you know you're, you're the dog that got help hit that yelps I would encourage you to say not just oh he just wants me to give money that's not it at all we want you to trust God and my hope in the next few moments that we have together is to explain to us and and lead us to the ideal that says uh, what we do with all of our lives shows how much we trust him how we steward all the gifts that God has given us reveals to us our trust of God. And that's why we kind of name this series Trust Issues, because at the bottom, uh, at the core of why we do what we do, it comes down to how much do we trust God. And that's in all things. How you parent your children, how, how you, uh, you know, live out your marriage, how you work at your job, how, how you do with all the resources and gifts that God has given you. It, it is a, a shining on how much do you uh, actually trust, uh, trust in the Lord. And, uh, and so we're going we're gonna to press into that a little bit. And, 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 and I hope, uh, you know, at the end of this, that we... Uh, have a greater affection for Christ and trust in him and then obedience of him now I want to point out just the danger of covetousness and 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 that it is an it is an idol it can't be an idol it can be idolatry and for us um, you know what we want is we want hearts that are 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 chasing first after him uh, with 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 all that it has and, and and removing from it anything that would distract from uh, us worshiping him with all we have and, and so so you know in order to do that we got to see what the bible talks about and what it calls idolatry and then see is that in our in our life colossians 3 5 and 6 says put to death therefore what is earthly in you sexual immorality impurity passion evil desire and covetousness which is idolatry on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Paul says covetousness is idolatry, and he says that on account of this, the wrath of God is, is coming. Covetousness is an activity of the heart. It's not, you, you can't really tangibly put your hand on it. It's a, it's, it's, you can see the effects of it in your life, but you, you, you know, it's ultimately in that, uh, where your heart is. And, and so idolatry is the idea that you want, you desire, you, you are satisfied by anything more than you are by God. That you want, desire, are satisfied and serve anything more than you want, desire, or satisfied by or serve God. 
If any of those things have come into your life and are higher than God, that is idolatry. And so Paul says that covetousness is idolatry. And, uh, and, and, and listen, this can happen with anything. It can happen with money, sure. It can, it can also happen with, you know, your, uh, your, 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 your job, or it could happen with you want good grades. You make good grades an idol if you're a student. It, it could happen with your kids. I see this all the time. People make their kids their idol. I, you know, th- there are all kinds of things with maybe politics, hobbies, sports, boy bands. I don't know. I mean, you can make anything an idol. Uh, and it's dangerous to want, serve, or desire, or be satisfied by anything more than we do with God. And so, so, so Paul says, on this, the wrath of God is, is coming. Now, for those in Christ, we know that Christ has suffered our wrath for us. Uh, however, you know, a lot of these idols point to who, where is our heart? Who has our heart? And so we're going to be talking about uh, in the next two weeks, stewardship, and particularly this week, we're talking about stewardship of uh, of money. And is our heart uh, aimed at God or greed? It's kind of the easiest way for us to maybe remember it. And and so we're going to be in Matthew six. I want to read the first verse to you uh, of uh, of the passage we're going to read, verse twenty four, uh, and uh, and we're going to read kind of that whole uh, bit of section there. But I'm going to start with verse twenty four. It says this: No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And we know this to be true, right? I mean, this is is evidentially true in our life that that, uh, we have had times where certainly we've served money more than we've served God. And what what Matthew does here and what our Lord is teaching is he's he's saying there is in fact a dichotomy between you can't serve both at the same time you're either going to serve one or the other and um, and 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 this you know this is a cause for us to pause and say which which God am I serving Here's a difficult part, and here's one way I think that we can evaluate this in our, li- our own lives, because what happens is uh, you're, you're either, um, uh, because we got God and money in our life, so we've got to figure out what, what do we do with that, right? Like, what, what do we do with that, and, and how do we know if we're serving one or loving one more than the other? I would say that one of the factors in which you can know where you are is, y- y- yes, you love one, but you use the other one to worship the the one that you worship most. And, and by that, let me explain it like this. If you worship God, if God is the God that you serve, according to Matthew, you don't serve money, you're serving God, you will see in your life you use money for the service and worship of God. So you see everything given to you by God as, as a means by which you can give glory unto God and, and, and you, you turn all his gifts back to him to say, you've given to me for you, and so I want to give you the glory that you deserve with all the gifts that you have given me. So you use money in order to serve and worship God. If you love money and serve money and worship money more than you serve and worship and love God, you will use God to serve your God, to serve money. You will only pray prayers that, God, I want more, I need more, give me more. 
Uh, you, you will only come here as if God is a genie, you, some bottle you're trying to rub in such a way. It's like, if I go to church, maybe he'll give me a promotion or give me a raise, or give me health or give me wealth. And I'm using God in order to, to, to increase the things and the stuff in my life. And so you, you use God to serve and worship money. And this is a dichotomy that our Lord says, you can't do both. You, you, can't, you can't do it. You're going to use one to serve the other one. And so which one are we using? And, and you know, one of the greatest, I think, you know, there's all kind of these like spiritual gift tests and spiritual health tests that you can take. This, I, don't, I don't know exactly how they, they measure these things, but, but you can take this to kind of see where am I spiritually and those kinds of things. I think one of the greatest ways that you know where you are spiritually is by, by looking at your generosity. I mean, you know, uh, particularly for our culture for our culture um we de- and, and 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 let me let me clarify here because you may say i don't love money okay do you love and serve and worship the things that money gives you security comfort less risk pleasure and so are you after those things and depending on god uh, on your god of money to give you those things instead of praying that god would take care of you provide for you meet all your needs be enough for you and so this is where we begin to look at our lives and say okay who do i worship what you know and, uh, and and it's pretty easy to, to, to kind of look at our lives and be able to tell that now let me read on uh, Matthew 5, I mean, sorry, Matthew 6, 25 uh, through 33. He says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles <coughs> seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I think we see a few things here. One, I love our Lord's encouragement to not be anxious about this life. If, um, if it's anything that I think I've seen more struggle in in the last five to ten years, it's this area of anxiety and worry and stress. And praise be to God that He is so good to us 
to preach on these very things? Cast, you know, I think about the scriptures that says, cast your anxieties upon him who cares for you. Cast all your anxieties upon him who cares for you. Do not be anxious about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. Does not God love you and care for you and see you and know you? Do you trust him? And what are we trusting in? I think, you know, what comes into our heart when we worry and stress and, 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 and to the point that we want, we covet other things than we have, it's a trust issue. It boils down to a trust issue. And what we begin to do is we begin to say, okay, God, I'm not sure that you really can take care of me. I'm not sure. I mean, I believe it on paper, and I know that pastor preached on it, but I'm not practically sure that you're going to meet my needs. And, and like any time when we have trust issues in a relationship, what do we do? If we have trust issues in a relationship, maybe someone is, we just don't trust them. We don't, for whatever reason, we kind of keep them at arm's distance, right? Like, like you, can, you can swim in my pool, but you can't come in my house kind of thing, right? Like, uh, you, you, we keep you right here, and, and uh, you know, I, I would like you to a certain extent, but I'm not going to let you in. I'm not going to let you come in and, and have like fellowship with me and, and know me and, and, and be vulnerable with you. I'm, I'm not going to do those kinds of things. I'm going to keep you here. Why? Because I, I don't really trust that you're going to be for my good. So I'm going to keep you at arm's distance uh, because I've got trust issues. with you. Now, now, that may not even be their fault. It may be because you got wounded in some other relationship or your parents or, or whatever else, but you just begin to have these trust issues in relationships. But we do the same thing with God. We say, okay, God, like, I'll trust you to save my soul, but when it comes to my stuff, you're here. Right? Um, I trust you to, you know, move in me and make me more like you and to, to you know, to, 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 to be with my family and be with my kids. And be, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let you into to, to the the practical things of my life because I'm not sure that you can take care of me. I'm not sure that you're going to be good enough to take care of me. I'm not sure that you love me enough to take care of me. And so part of walking in obedience with all that we have all of our life is just simply saying, I trust you with it all. I trust you with it all. Every piece of my life I trust you with. Now, I think one of the things, and God has given us many graces so that we can trust him further. I mean, you think about his sovereignty and giving us his word and how, how beautiful God is to give us his word that we might know him, that we can trust him, that we can, we can know how to be saved and trust him further with our own salvation, you know, and, and with our own faith, that we trust him in those ways. That he, he gives us grace like that. He gives us grace like prayer, like ways that we can know him. He gives us these, these graces in our life so that we can f fast or, or fellowship and worship together. That he's given us these graces that we might know him in greater ways and trust him in greater ways. I think he's also given us graces in obedience, and he, he's laid out some things for us to, to be obedient to him in, in a certain way that we might, we might know him. I think you, you think through like what we talked about uh, in the last couple of weeks, keeping the Sabbath. Now, Christ has fulfilled the law for us. Uh, and, and so we kind of understand that the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath, meaning that it's for our good. 
It's for our good and the glory of God that we would Sabbath and rest in Christ. We get that? I think the same thing goes here with giving. I think God has given us uh, the tithe. Now, there's differing opinions on if you believe in the tithe or don't believe in the tithe, but I believe in it. And, and, and by that I mean, I think we see it principally in the Old Testament that God, and we've been talking about that at the end of Nehemiah, that he's encouraged them to bring the tithe into the storehouse of the temple and so that the mission of God can continue to go out and, and, and worship of God can be rightly done. And I, I believe that God has given us the tithe as a gift, as a gift that we might walk in obedience to him. And, and specifically, uh, you know, I, I, you know um, when you look at Jesus' teaching throughout, the, the, throughout his life, throughout his ministry, uh, he oftentimes will teach on something and change perspective to correct what, what, the way it should be viewed. You remember if you backed up to Matthew 5, he said, uh, you've heard it said, do not murder. But I say, don't hate anyone in your heart. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say, if you lusted after a woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So Jesus oftentimes takes something that we had an understanding of and, and, and kind of rearranges it in a way that, that, that is a better way to see it, you know, to understand that we need Christ more than we ever thought we needed Christ. He does it again in Matthew 23, 23, where I think he had every opportunity to kind of crush giving in this way and instead he stepped into it he said uh woe to you scribes and pharisees hypocrites for you tithe mint and dill and cumin which was which was commanded of them and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faithfulness these justice mercy mercy faithfulness you ought to have done without neglecting the others tithing mint dill and cumin and so jesus had every opportunity to say you've already said to to tithe, mint, killing, uh, dealing, cumin, but I, I say, no, you should walk in uh, weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. He didn't do that. He didn't do it. And so I think what we, one of the things we see there is um, it, it, principally, we're not, we're not bound in the same way the Old Testament is bound, but principally I think there is good, it's for God's glory and for our good to practice at least the tithe. And, uh, and again, I want to reiterate to you, I'm not preaching to you something that I don't do. Um, I, I try not to do that. Um, I try not to preach to you something and demand something of you that I'm not, a burden I'm not willing to carry. Uh, I do that. We tithe. We, we give. My family, uh, we, we, we do that. We give, to, we, give, we give our tithe to the church, to the storehouse, we believe. It's supposed to be done first and foremost. It's supposed to be given to a storehouse. And then we do beyond that. We do other things. Um, support missionaries, which I hope some of you would pray about doing. Uh, we, 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 we do some of that. So I'm not asking you to do something we don't do. I'm telling you, this is an issue of a heart, not, not church budgets, uh, not... Not just the work of the ministry, though it's part of it, but this is about our hearts. And for me and my family, I don't want covetousness to take on my heart. So we root it out. We say, no, we're going to get it. Which leads me to my second uh, point here. It says, when we tithe, we acknowledge that God owns everything, including our income. Uh, scripture says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I love that, that version of the, uh, of the text. He... He owns it all. You know, I, I liken it to, um, you know, if I had a bag of, uh, of, uh, of M&M's, 
that I bought for my children. And I give them a bag of M&M's. I bought the bag of M&M's. I give them the bag of M&M's. And like typically happens when I buy my kids candy, I want some of it. Right? And so I go to my kids. I'm like, hey, cough it up. Right? Like, uh, can I have some? No, I can't have some M&M's. And, and nine times out of ten, they go, no. It's my candy. And then I have to remind them. Who bought that? Who gave you that? I gave you every M&M that you own. And I want like a handful. I'll take them all if I want it. Isn't this so similar to how we are with God, though? He's given us all we have. And we squabble over pennies. No, I don't know if, if I'm given 10%, if that's going to be enough, if 90, if I'm going to be able to live on that, God. I don't, I don't know, you know, God, no. This, maybe this is for people who are wealthy. This isn't for me. I want to remind you, Jesus was preaching to poor people. This isn't a matter of wealth. It's a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of how much you have. It's a matter of what you do or what God has given you, whether it's little or whether it's a lot. And he owns it all. He owns it all. Do you not think that God would do more with your 90% than you could with 100? This is why we're talking about trust issues. Do you trust God to say, you have given me all I have, and it's all yours. I'll give you this much. I'd give you more. Ask for it. I know you'll take care of me. I know you'll meet my needs. I know that you'll use me for things that actually matter and not, not just comforts of the world, but, but kingdom things. So trusting him that he owns it all, that's, that's part of what the tithe does. Every time we give, we're, we're saying a couple of things. We're saying, we trust you. The other thing we're saying is, I'm, I'm not in control of this. You are. And so I trust you. With all that you've given me, I trust you. So it, it begins to kill those things in us. The other thing it does is it kills, uh, giving away a tenth of our income for mission and ministry um, of Christ. It kills covetousness. It kills covetousness. Um, the scriptures go on to say that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, you care about what you give to. Yeah? You care about what you give to. Like, um, if a, a large portion of your income is going towards, I don't know, your house, then you're going to care about your house. You want it to, you know, be taken care of. You want, and that's right. It's good. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, you, but you, you, you know, you want it to, uh, you're going to, Maintain it. You're putting a lot of money into it. You better maintain it. You know, you want it to look nice. Uh, you don't want HOA letters, you know. Um, you, all, the, all that, you know. Well, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. If you're, if you're uh, spending a significant amount of money, I, I, you know, um, not that there's anything wrong with this, but a great example of this is if you have season tickets to a sports team, right? You're invested. You care about that team more than you did before you had season tickets, right? You want them to win because going to games where they stink is terrible, right? So you're invested. 
You've given money to that. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You give it, not that there's anything wrong with season tickets, um, unless it takes you away from church a whole bunch, right? Uh, go to the games. Go to the Marlins games. I, I don't know why you would, but go to the Marlins games. Uh, but where your heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's why I think giving unto the kingdom. That's why at the end of the passage, our Lord says, "But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you." When we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, the things of the world grow strangely dim. So when our greatest want before we started doing that was, "I need the new thing." I need the new car, I need the new phone, I need the, the, the more retirement, I need the more stuff, I need the more safety, I need the more security, I need the more whatever. When you give first unto the kingdom of God, the ministry and the mission of God, it begins to kind of unwrap the tentacles of the world from your heart. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That you will care about the gospel going out from this church that you're giving to so faithfully. That you'll care about children and, 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 and adults being discipled in no, to know the word of God here. That, that you'll care about uh, you know, supporting missionaries and seeing the gospel go to the ends of the nation, because, uh, uh, because, ends of the world because of this church. You'll care about where your, your money is going, where your treasure is going. You're not controlling it, you're letting God do it, but you care. You're praying for those things. You want God to move, and, 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 and it's unwrapping the tentacles of the world of covetousness uh, from, your, from your heart. You, you see, in the, you know, it, this is dangerous. Uh, Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. Uh, Jesus says later in Luke 12, Beware and be on your guard against every form of covetousness or greed. We, we read Paul say earlier that covetousness is idolatry. Wanting things too much is incredibly dangerous for your soul. Wanting things too much is incredibly dangerous for your soul. And so we want the Lord to kill covetousness in us. And He's given us graces by which He does that work. And one of those graces is through us being made into a generous people as he is a generous God. I believe tithing is one of God's great antidotes to covetousness. So if you struggle with covetousness, wanting things more than you should, practice giving. Fight it with generosity and giving sacrificially. Fight for the battle of your own heart. I think, you know, tithing kind of teaches us a nitty-gritty trust in God. It's, it's one of the primary ways that we can be practical with what we believe. Instead of just all, uh, yes, I believe it, yes, I believe it, yes, I believe it. Here's tangible. Look, you can see I believe it. One of the very few ways you can do that. Look, here's a tangible way. You see, I'm trusting God. I've been reminded of uh, Malachi. I know this verse is taken out of context a lot, so I'm going to give you the appropriate context. Um, but he says in Malachi 3.10, he says, Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, 
Uh, if you remember when we preached through Nehemiah, if you, you, you know, because Malachi is kind of ministering in that, near that same time, um, and what the high priest did was he basically took the room that the tithes were supposed to be brought into and he rented it out as an Airbnb to, uh, to one of the, uh, to Tobiah, who was uh, one of the antagonists to Nehemiah. And so here you have the people of God using the storehouses for something other than tithe. Malachi is again saying, bring the full tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflow, overflowing blessing. Now, what that passage is often preached like is this. See, if you would just sow a seed of faith, if you just give a little bit of money, God will make you rich. I am not saying that. What the text is saying here is that we are to be faithful and obedient to what God has called us to, and God honors faithfulness and obedience uh, with blessing. Now, what does that blessing look like? The greatest blessing we could get from obedience through whatever God has called us to be obedient to, the greatest blessing is not wealth or health or safety or security. The greatest blessing that we could get is Jesus himself. The greatest blessing that we could get from our walk of obedience is Him. Nearness to Him, uh, 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 Him coming into our lives and knowing Him more, hearing Him and, and following Him from the, from the Scriptures, having His hand on our family that our, that our kids might walk according to His way. Those are the greatest blessings we get from God and can get. And ultimately, the greatest blessing is to be with Him forever. Now, He might also bless with Finances and health and other ways. But that's not, uh, that is not what is guaranteed here. And for the believer, we know enough of the scriptures that say, even if we were to get no financial gain from our obedience to God, He is worth it. And even if we were to suffer for His name's sake, He's worth obedience. Even if we were to die, for his glory's sake, he is worth obedience. And so I think this is where the matter comes down to for us is, is he worthy? Is he worthy? Not just is he worthy enough for us to sing a cute song, but is he worthy of everything we have? Is he trustworthy of everything we have? It, can he be is he trusted in your heart in your soul in your life can he be trusted in your with your family do you trust him now uh, i want to be clear here as i close because maybe you're in here and you think okay well uh, and, and let's say you don't have relationship with god what you just heard is okay I, i'm gonna try to do better I'm going to try to be better. I'm going to work harder. Uh, if you're seeing a list of do's and don'ts without a relationship with Christ, you're just going to make yourself more miserable. The only way that a people can give a percentage of their income 
away and be happy about it is because God has changed their hearts. That's the only way. Now, 1 John talks about that the commands of God are not a burden to us. Why are they not a burden to us? They're not a burden to us because our hearts aren't what they used to be. He has changed them. He's made us a new creation. He's given us new desires. He's given us new passions. He's given us new loves. He's given us new things we cared about. You you think about, you didn't care about the mission of God before you came to Christ. Matter of fact, you probably mocked the mission of God, but you came to Christ and God changed your heart and gave you new desires, gave you new loves, and then all of a sudden now you care about the gospel going into all the the, the nations that don't know him and that they would come to faith in Christ. You care about those things because your heart has been changed. And if God called you to obedience, you would step into that obedience. Why? Because your heart has been changed. This is the same thing with giving. It's not a burden for those who have been grasped grasped by the gospel. Those who have been saved and their hearts been changed. God, you've given me all I have. You've given me the greatest gift of saving a sinner like me. You've given me the, 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 the gifts of faith, repentance. You, you've given me so many you've considered me a child of God you've adopted me in the family of God you've given me the right to be called a child of God you've done so much for me you ask something of me I'm all in now none of us are perfect in this and we're all growing to trust him more but let us not squabble over pennies to the God who owes it all and let us free our heart from covetousness for it will strangle you out and kill you spiritually it's dangerous so let's kill it and trust him all the more let's pray together father again may we not trust you just with our souls and not with our stuff, but may we trust you with all things. God, I I pray that you would just work in every heart. I know I you know I don't know um, what everyone walked in here with, or what, you know I don't know what anyone in here gives to you. I know what I give to you. And uh, even so, I know that the dangers of covenants on my own heart are strong. And so we need you. We need you to continue to protect us, guard our eyes from just desiring all the things of the world, comfort, security, all the things that you're supposed to give us that we try to get from dollars. You are our provider. You are the one who will meet all our needs. You are the one who would take care of us. You are the one in whom we have the greatest comfort and rest. You are the one in where we get the greatest delight. And so, God, would you help us to trust you even more? Father, I pray for uh, the non-believer in here. I pray that they understand that um, that you 
are sovereign over uh, all things. Maybe they've come in here and you said, you know, see, I'm not, I, I, I want to be autonomous in my own heart and life. I want to be the captain of my own ship. And what a foolish ideology for how do they have breath in their lungs but by you. You've given it as a gift to even those who curse your name. How do they have the mind to even consider rebellion against you but from you you've given it and like all the good gifts of God we tend to twist them for our own uses and therefore sin against you and I pray that those that are lost in here would come to repentance from that and trust you with their soul God we love you we ask that you would move and have your way in us in these things in Christ's name we pray amen